Good morning, happy Monday, February 8th, and welcome to Every Day's a Holiday, a daily podcast calendar giving you a reason to celebrate every day of the year. First off, I hope everyone had a fun and safe Super Bowl Sunday. Congrats to the Buccaneers and to Tom Brady for their win yesterday. And sorry, Chiefs fans, but hey, yay, sports! Today's holiday is National Kite Flying Day. Have you ever flown a kite? I feel like I probably have when I was young, but kite flying is one of those recreational activities that I have rarely thought to take part in as an adult. But seeing how crazy some kites look nowadays, today, I might change my opinion on kites. Kites, in their most basic form, are light frames covered with paper, cloth, or plastic designed to be flown in the air at the end of a long string. Meaning, as long as you have a frame, some sail material, and a string, you're good to go, and you could very easily DIY yourself a kite from scratch. Kites were first invented in ancient Southeast Asia. The oldest depiction of kites exists in a cave painting on Muna Island, Indonesia, that dates as far back as 9500 BCE. Chinese philosophers Mozi and Lu Ban claimed the invention of the kite much later in the 5th century BC. Their kites were made of silk fabric and bamboo framework. You can probably envision the shape of the usual kite, a cross-shaped frame with a sail pulled tight around the frame ends, maybe with a ribboned tail hanging off of the end. Nowadays, some kite designs have become downright ludicrous. There are kites that resemble birds, insects, giant fish, horses, and dragons. There's even a man in New Zealand named Peter Lynn who designed some of the world's largest and most insane-looking kites. Like a 90-foot-long giant octopus kite that, when in flight, looks like a vibrantly colored Cthulhu head with massive eyes staring down at all the mortals below. Peter Lin also set and maintains the record for designing the world's largest kite, a 1,019-square-meter kite of the Kuwait flag, flown at the Kuwait Hala Festival in Kuwait City on February 15, 2005. You don't need to go nearly that hard to celebrate Kite Flying Day, but regular kites are available for under $20 in most stores. Or if you already have a kite, bust it out of storage and get out there. Find yourself a windy spot and get to kite flying. Use the hashtag National Kite Flying Day on social media to post your kite flying inventors. And if weather simply doesn't allow for kite flying where you are today, that's okay. Going online to look up some of these crazy kite designs in action is a completely acceptable alternative. So happy kite flying day, everybody. Now, let's take a look back through the years to see what happened on this day in history. On this day, 61 years ago, ground was officially broken and construction began on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Back in 1953, a man named E.M. Stewart proposed an idea to create a public monument along the sidewalks of Los Angeles as a means to, quote, maintain the glory of a community whose name means glamour and excitement in the four corners of the world. By 1955, the basic concept and general design had been agreed upon, and plans were submitted to the Los Angeles City Council. The stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame feature a coral terrazzo star bordered in brass on a charcoal terrazzo background with the names of famous performers embedded into the star in brass, as well as a round brass emblem symbolizing one of their five categories within the entertainment industry, a classic film camera for motion pictures, a television receiver for broadcast television, a phonograph record for audio recording or music, 
a radio mic for broadcast radio, and comedy tragedy masks for theater or live performances were added later in 1984. But like with many projects, this wasn't the first design for the Hollywood stars. In February of 1956, a prototype was unveiled featuring an embedded brass caricature of John Wayne inside of a blue star on a brown background. It turned out that caricaturing every star's face and carving the design out of brass was way too expensive and difficult to execute with the technology available at the time, and the blue-on-brown color scheme was vetoed by a local real estate developer, Charles Toberman, because the colors clashed with a building he had designed to be constructed on Hollywood Boulevard. Once the final design had been approved by the city of Los Angeles, construction began in 1958, but completion was delayed by multiple lawsuits, one of which was filed by Charlie Chaplin's son, Charles Chaplin Jr., seeking damages for the exclusion of his father in the Walk of Fame project. His lawsuit was eventually dismissed, and on February 8, 1960, the official groundbreaking ceremony of the Hollywood Walk of Fame was held, featuring actresses Linda Darnell and Gigi Perrault, as well as veteran actors Francis X. Bushman and Charles Coburn, using shovels to scoop up the sidewalk dirt. Now, 61 years later, there are more than 2,690 stars embedded into the sidewalks of 18 city blocks in Hollywood, California. Oh, and also on this day, 27 years ago, Jack Nicholson smashed some guy's windshield in with a golf club. This is just something I heard about and couldn't not share. So on February 8th, 1994, after accusing a man named Robert Blank of cutting him off in traffic, Jack Nicholson got out of his car, walked up to Blank's window yelling at him, and then pulled out a golf club to bash in the roof and windshield of Blank's car. Charges of assault and vandalism were filed against Jack Nicholson, but were dropped after he apologized to Robert Blank, and the two reached an undisclosed settlement. I'm assuming it was a lot of money. Later on, Nicholson expressed regrets for his actions and explained that he was under a lot of stress while filming The Crossing Guard, and more importantly, a close friend of his had recently died. In an interview, Nicholson described it as, quote, a shameful incident in my life. But that's okay, Jack. It's nothing a little settlement money can't fix. Now it's time to commemorate the births and deaths of famous or infamous individuals in our next segment, Life and Legacy. Today, we're celebrating John Williams' 69th birthday. You know the composer regarded for scoring some of the most critically acclaimed films in cinematic history? Yeah, that John Williams. On February 8, 1932, John Towner Williams was born in Queens, New York to Esther Towner and Johnny Williams, who was a jazz drummer who played with the Raymond Scott Quintet. At 16 years old, John Williams and his family moved to L.A. where he attended North Hollywood High School and then went on to UCLA where he studied music composition privately with Italian composer Mario Castelnuovo Tedesco. In 1951, Williams was drafted into the U.S. Air Force. As part of his military assignment, he played piano and brass, arranged music, and conducted for the U.S. Air Force Band. After his time in the Air Force, he went to Juilliard where he studied piano with Rosina Levine and worked as a jazz pianist in several New York City jazz clubs. His music career obviously blossomed from there, and he has gone on to create the soundtracks for many phenomenal films, including the Star Wars saga, Jaws, E.T., Home Alone, Harry Potter, Jurassic Park, and Indiana Jones. Ba -ba -da -ba, ba -ba -da -ba, ba -ba -da anyway, 
John Williams, your music is iconic and obviously played a huge role in making those films as great as they are. So happy 69th birthday, Mr. Williams. Today is also the 434th anniversary of the execution of Mary, Queen of Scots. Okay, be warned. Mary's death is not necessarily G-rated, so when we get there, I'll warn you. But oh man, I wish I had more time to fully understand Mary's life, because it is rife with craziness. Her father, King James V of Scotland, died when she was six days old. She later married the soon-to-be king, Francis, in 1558, and he died as king only two years later. She married her half-cousin, Lord Darnley, in 1566, became pregnant by a rumored love affair with her private secretary, and her half-cousin husband then killed her lover in front of her at a dinner party. Mary then suspectedly had her half-cousin husband murdered via smothering, and his castle was blown up with gunpowder, and then married the man suspected of plotting her late husband's death in May of 1567. She was imprisoned, she had to advocate the throne to her one-year-old son, and later she fled to England, seeking protection from Queen Elizabeth I, her first cousin once removed. But there was also a slight problem there, because Mary had once claimed that she was the rightful heir to the English throne, which made Elizabeth nervous that her psychotic cousin might not be the safest person for her to be around. So Queen Elizabeth separated herself from Mary, basically placing her cousin on house arrest in various castles far away from her and far away from any political influence she might hold. All the while, Mary was plotting to overthrow Queen Elizabeth I. Whether it be with Spanish troops, questioning the royal lineage, marrying herself into the royal lineage, or even having the Pope support her claim to the English throne. With good reason, Elizabeth did not trust Mary to stop all of her plotting and scheming, so she sent her to trial and Mary was easily found guilty, and sentenced to death for conspiring to assassinate Queen Elizabeth I. And, on February 8, 1587, Mary, Queen of Scots, knelt on a cushion in the Great Hall of Fotheringhay Castle before the Earls of Shrewsbury and Kent who were to witness her execution. The executioner knelt by her and asked for forgiveness, as was custom, and Mary replied, I'll forgive you with all my heart, for now, I hope, you shall make an end of all my troubles. And if you don't want to hear how she died, now's your chance to jump ahead 15 seconds. So, the executioner swung his axe down and missed her neck, striking the back of her head first. He lifted the axe again for a second blow that nearly completely severed her neck, aside from a small bit of sinew still dangling it from her body. He cut through the last strand with the axe blade and held her head up by her hair, declaring, God save the queen! Almost cartoonishly, after he said that phrase, her wig pulled off, revealing Mary's short, graying hair, and her head then tumbled to the ground. She was only 44 years old when she was executed. Big oof. But yeah, that's how Mary died. Her life was like a medieval... Not, not even like. Her life was a medieval soap opera. Lastly, let's find out what listeners like you are celebrating today in our final segment, Listener Celebrations. After that display, I'm actually kind of thankful that there are no new listener celebrations for today. But I have a personal celebration that I'd like to share. So on top of everything I've mentioned in this episode, 
I am also celebrating the recent release of the Foo Fighters' newest album, Medicine at Midnight. It came out just a couple of days ago, and I really enjoyed it. If you're looking for more Dave Grohl in your life, go check it out! Medicine at Midnight, Foo Fighters, do it now! Thank you for sharing your celebrations with us, and if you are celebrating anything like a birthday, an anniversary, or any special occasion, please shoot me a message at everydaysaholidaypod on Instagram. Also, a quick reminder that February is Black History Month in the United States and Canada. I have pledged to donate $50 this month to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund to help provide legal assistance to black Americans who can't afford it and advance the cause of racial justice and equality. If you're interested in contributing as well, please go to act.naacpldf.org to donate. And if you want more information about the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, go back to the February monthly mention episode of this podcast. Thank you for joining me in today's celebrations. Special thanks to AJ Curtin for composing the music for Every Day's a Holiday. If you'd like to support the show, please rate and review Every Day's a Holiday on Apple or Google Podcasts, or just pass it along to a friend. And tune in tomorrow morning to see what there is to celebrate on February 9th. Enjoy today, and catch you tomorrow!